Hello, I'm Harry. Hello, I'm Rory, and you're listening to Games on Film. hope we managed to source some jingly bells to go over the theme tune because this is our first Christmas episode of the holiday season and to celebrate we are tackling 8-bit Christmas an HBO original (laughs) yes we've talked before about the lack of Christmas video game movies although actually we ended up covering i think jumanji the next level which technically was a christmas film because it set at least the non-jumanji bits in christmas um but this is a fully fledged video game christmas movie which uh, came out last year uh but we didn't get round to it then um but now it's the ghost of christmas past now <laughs> because it was a year old well, actually, the yeah. whole film is Ghost of Christmas Past because it's all set in the 80s, apart from the wraparound either side by the uh, narrator. So I'm getting very confused about Ghost of Christmas Past, Present and Future. Mm, now I'm just thinking about how... I was wondering how long Jacob Marley had been dead for at the start of A Christmas Carol. I don't think it's that long, but then everyone was dressed at, like they're in the past which was the present back then. Wow, time. (laughs) Time is an incredible thing. Uh, Yeah, I guess, though, this film has a special place in our hearts, or at least the time period has a special place in our hearts, because we were uh, 80s kids, and NES, I think, was our first home games console. So, at least on the surface, apart from the fact this is entirely set in America, is it filmed in Canada? I don't know. But hey-ho... This could have been us. I could be Neil Patrick Harris, or you could be Neil Patrick Harris, Rory. <laughs> well, maybe you be Neil Harris and I'll be Patrick Harris. <laughs> oh, perfect. Or actually, I read in the IMDb trivia that Neil Patrick Harris, I think, has blue eyes, but the person who plays young Neil Patrick Harris or young Jake has hazel eyes, so something happened. Maybe playing too much Nintendo <laughs> made his eyes blue. I actually did um, a bit of research about Nintendo in the UK at the time because I was just trying to work out how much our experience you know, could have possibly mirrored the young uh, Jake Doyle is the name of the character in this film and how it's it's one of those films where I guess in the tradition of Christmas movies, such as Jingle All the Way, um, there's this desired or prized item, and in this uh, in this film, it's the Nintendo Entertainment System, not the Turbo Man doll that Arnold Schwarzenegger is desperate to secure for his young moppet of a child. Um, but in this instance, it's not that Nintendos aren't plentiful, at least. Um, for the most part of the film, but 
they're still a sort of prized hot ticket item. And I didn't know whether it was because of cost or because of uh, reputation or, or, or availability. I think in the UK, our impression, because we had a Nintendo, was that Nintendo was the sort of dominant console. And I think we had some neighbors who had one. I think our cousins had one. So we were in mm. this sort of Nintendo bubble. Everyone we, everyone we knew had Nintendos. Yeah. But it seems like, based on sort of sales figures, like Sega, the Master System, did generally better than the Nintendo in the UK. But at the same time, you had stuff like the Spectrum and Commodore and, you know, those sort of early home computer machines i think you had a lot more of that at least generally speaking in the uk in terms of that's how people played video games for the most part yeah it was only really with the mega drive and the super nintendo that i think home consoles really sort of challenged you know the home computer as the dominant platform for video games at least in the uk yeah no i said a moment ago that we're a couple of normies but no we're really anti-normies we're the weirdos and yeah i I don't know (laughs) even though i was never really on that scene i have a certain amount of pride that about the british video game scene i don't know at least one good thing is british (laughs) (laughs) um but i guess i say that having no knowledge of like every other country's video game scene and i'm actually sure there's proper magic and wizardry there but yeah, like I said, this this I, f- I guess this should be really aimed at us. Apart from the fact I don't have kids, but it's really aimed at I guess nostalgic adults who want to pass the torch. And but it's also very much like a kind of a template of a film. I mean, we haven't really discussed what the whole sort of the basic gist of the plot is. Um, but in, in a very we'll do a back of the box in a minute. But in a sweet nutshell, it's really about a dad telling their child about they're a Christmas of theirs when all they wanted for Christmas was a Nintendo Entertainment System. I struggle to find any involvement from Nintendo themselves because this really gives a proper, like, The Wizard vibe initially because Nintendo Mm. is the coolest thing. There's a Power Glove scene, which I really think, like, is a a homage to The Wizard. Um... So it's like, you know, the wizard has a power glove scene. In this film, though, the power glove is depicted as being kind of shit or really hard to use. Uh, And and also there's a certain menacing quality to some other Nintendo representation, which we'll get into. But do you know, can we able to find any involvement of Nintendo here? I don't even know if they featured the credits. I was not paying attention to the credits. I kind of made a mental note. Oh, I should probably check the credits to see if it says, like, thanks to Nintendo at any point. Um, But then I think I was looking at my phone, so I did not actually... (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I should go back and check. But yeah, yeah, I, I don't know, because the whole sort of product placement thing, is it something you have to license? I mean, is this sort of free advertising? I think as long as it's not depicted in a in a in a certain way, it's it's okay. But I would imagine that Nintendo being who they are would maybe take issue with a couple of incidents in the film. After this film, I went to the you know, entertainer and, and toys 
toy shops and I couldn't find any NESs. So they were flying off the shelves <laughs> because of all the sales. But actually, there's since I guess in the last few years, we had those Nintendo minis. And I thought that mm. should have really been at the scene at the end when like the girl brings out her Nintendo MIDI and say, Dad, look what we got now. It's <laughs> got so many games in this tiny little console. Um, yeah, I don't know. Actually, sort of, you can't expect children these days to know everything about video game history, of course. And, you know, you do get all those videos uh, which appear on YouTube or shared on Facebook where it's just like kids get shown a Game Boy and it blows their minds and they're like, wow, like, how do you even play this? And they don't know how to switch it on. And it's just like, ha, no, I've, de- ha, ha. I've definitely seen videos of people being handed like a Game Boy and they're rubbing their fingers up or down the, what they think is a touchscreen. And you're like, oh, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, the general impression is that they just feel very sorry for kids in the 80s. It's not like, it's not something where it's just like, oh, those stupid kids, they don't understand that touchscreens weren't around in the 80s. And it's just like, no, the kids are actually sort of saying, oh my God, you grew up with this? How sad. (laughs) (laughs) I guess the other sort of, if we're talking Christmas movies, the other, I guess, key text that this film is, is, I'd I'd say, close to would be A Christmas Story, which um, I did listen to an interview with the author because this film was actually based on a book. Um, But uh, What's the book called? Hmm. 8-Bit Christmas. Funny that. Okay. Um, the uh, author, Kevin Jakubowski, who adapted this himself into screenplay, because he's actually primarily a film and TV writer. Um, and he mentioned that A Christmas Story is his favourite film of all time. And okay. that's... It's, it's not a film which is generally regarded in the UK. It's, it's a perennial American christmas classic yeah but i actually don't know why that is well i i i think it's pretty good i mean i only saw it for the first time maybe about sort of seven or eight years ago so it's not something i've grown up with in in that respect but i think it's I, i think it's worth watching if you haven't seen it it's from bob clark who directed porky's and black christmas so okay. while it looks very sort of twee it does have like a quite a sort of like roughened sort of edgy bite to it which maybe does seem i don't know from first impressions not there but it's all about a kid and all he really wants for christmas is a gun so mm-hmm. um but like a kind of pellet gun i guess or a bb gun <laughs> but um, i haven't written my christmas list yet <laughs> but can you imagine i'll be like oh and number one a gun <laughs> um like i usually ask for like a, a dvd or something <laughs> um but yeah, I, I'd say it's worth checking out. It it covers similar themes and that it's all about a, a guy looking back to his childhood and narrating all these different mishaps and escapades with his family, but also in this sort of quest for him to get this specific prized gift. And um, of course, that's that's been sort of updated in this 2021 film for a, a kid in the 80s who wants a Nintendo entertainment system more than anything else. I do like how a bit earlier in this conversation you kind of name dropped uh, Jingle All the Way like it's some sort of classic <laughs> when it's a famously terrible film. But I think I think maybe the critics were being unduly harsh towards it. I think people are trying to take Schwarzenegger down, and there's actually some genuinely funny bits in it. It is pretty bad. 
but you know, put you can't argue. Put the cookie down, and doesn't he like fight a reindeer at one point? Uh, yeah, I mean, a reindeer at least chases him through a house. Yeah, and you've got like Have Phil seen... Hartman in there, and yes, I don't know. I, 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 I think it's one of those things that people were probably lambasting it at the time for the reasons that you say, but also no one knew the horrors of Christmas movies to come. Like I think, you know, living in a in a world of wall-to-wall Netflix and Hallmark, you know, Christmas rom-com kind of stuff, I think people probably do Herald Jingle all the way comparatively as a classic of the art form. <laughs> I mean, it's funny because I subscribe to Paramount Plus for the Star Trek content. And then like on the 1st of November, the usually blue... Um, website just went red and white suddenly because ever so many bad christmas films vomited onto that service and i was like whoa i don't know i mean we may be getting to this a bit later but we have a there's a certain forgiveness around christmas films i don't know i guess if i'm in the christmas spirit i will say just to sort of put a pin in all of the christmas films conversation we're talking about i did see christmas vacation for the first time like the other week and yes, that is good. So my my ice cold take, as cold as the Christmas new fallen snow, is Christmas Vacation was pretty good and Chevy Chase was really good in that film. <laughs> you heard it here anyway, first. <laughs> you heard it here. <laughs> yeah, it's probably the hundredth person to have told you, but yeah. Um uh, Christmas, Christmas, Christmas. Shall we um have a look at the back of the video box? Yes. HBO original. But um, crucially, we watched this on Sky because I think you can't even rent the film in the UK. You have to like... I don't know. I think, I think Sky... it's on YouTube movies, maybe. But it was no, on I Now TV. I... Well, it was on Now TV, but I believe I, look... I looked up on YouTube just today. And again, you can only buy it. Um... So I guess we have to really ask, is this film worth a purchase or a Sky slash Now TV subscription? Every kid has that one gift they want more than anything for Christmas. This is the story of mine. Bookends? They have baseballs on them. I see that. No, not those. Nintendo. A maze of rubber wiring and electronic intelligence so advanced it was deemed not a video game, but an 8-bit entertainment system. No Nintendo in my house. I second that. Looks like a no-go on Nintendo. I needed a Christmas miracle. The year was 1987, or was it 88? Super Bowl was in Okay, does it really matter, Dad? Oh, okay. The year was the late 80s. I was 11 years old. Did you wear a helmet? Yeah, we always wore helmets in the 80s. Me and my friends would do anything just to play one. Any of you huddle masters want to play? What have you brought me? I got a golfing! Untraceable! Cash money! It's the final countdown! One thing became clear. I needed to get my own. This is bigger than Christmas. The Our Vietnam. I don't think that means what you think it means. I have no idea what it means. We're gonna get in so much trouble. Sometimes during Christmas, just when you think that all hope is lost, something magical happens. Sold out in 20 minutes. Suddenly, one woman punched her grandma right in the throat. Same family, too. Are you making all this up? 
No, no, no way. Did you guys hear in the reselling contest? First prize is a brand new Nintendo Entertainment System. I'm gonna kill you. Hold on. There are no rules. That Nintendo's mine. What do you want? Wanna buy a wreath? Ma! This kid thinks your wreath sucks! Video games have been doing all kinds of strange things to children. What? It was the 80s. Stuff got real. This is Bluebird. This is Rainbow One. What happened to Red Dog? I changed it. We're allowed to change names now. This is Millennium Falcon. Super cool. Woo! Love it. Well, I do have a screenshot of a back of a bot <laughs> uh, from its US release. Zoom uh, and enhance. So, was it released for physical media in the US? It seems like it has. Um, even though, yeah, it was on HBO Max, but I don't know if it was one of those HBO Max ones which only existed for a month or something. But I think that was maybe only the cinema release and HBO Max same day releases. I don't know. I don't expect Americans to understand the difference between Sky and Now TV and stuff. Oh, God. My BritBox account is turning into ITVX, and I'm like, what? what? (laughs) So, hey... You know, you know know or you don't. I don't know what the hell ITVX is, sorry. For our international listeners, ITV is kind of crap. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, so the Battle of the Bots reads, A humorous and heartfelt look back at the adventures of childhood. Set in suburban Chicago in the late 1980s, 8-Bit Christmas centres on 10-year-old Jake Doyle's Herculean quest to get the latest and greatest video game system for Christmas. Sorry, is that it? Yep. God, sorry. Like, it doesn't even name drop the NES. Imagine buying this and being like, I can't wait for them to play on their new Sega console. Like, what is this? Also, I believe he's 11 years old at the time. I mean, there's some... I mean, they at the start of the film, they, they have a bit of guesswork about when this was, which is kind of fun because we, you know, I, I'm i trying to remember when we got our NES and I can't tell if it was like 1990 or not or, or 89. I can't really remember. And in this film, Neil Patrick Harris's narration, he's very much like, uh, I think it was this year, that year. And so there's that TV show I've never watched, but I'm very aware um, is it called the the gold steins goldbergs goldbergs <laughs> but what you know so i've not seen the show but i know the concept and i love it where it's in just the nebulous 80s so they could completely mess up their references so like character you know characters from the or pop culture people from the late 80s can appear as well as pop culture people from the early 80s and so actually there's a goof in a in an imdb they say a certain goof is that i think this film was meant to be set in 88 but uh a power glove shows up which didn't come out until like a year later and again i'm just like eh, it's just in the sort of 80s who cares yeah, it says sort of 87 or 88, then it's just late 80s. And I think the idea that 
this is primarily told through a potentially unreliable narrator. I think it sort of allows itself a little bit of uh, creative license with the era. Um, and, occasion- so- and occasionally he says things like, I was cycling and wearing a cycle helmet and then like a cycle helmet pops on to the child version of himself as like a, a fun little gag. Um, doesn't yeah. happen too much. It would have been cool if more like stuff like that happened. But the film, and as I mentioned, was based on a book, is sort of based on the author's vaguely own experiences, particularly about, you know, the sort of Nintendo stuff. And I think the family in it is loosely based on his own family. The film is set in a place called Batavia, Illinois, in this Chicago suburb, which is where he grew up. But also, if you're talking Chicago suburbs, I always think of um, Home Alone and the sort of John Hughes films. So Mm. I think that sort of, you know, again, perennial Christmas uh, favourite uh, as well. So there is a little bit of, you know, e- not just Easter eggy stuff, but sort of referencing just the idea that this is a Christmas movie. I think he's very much fully aware of the tradition and and trying to, you know, in a way, maintain those traditions or, or, or use that sort of iconography or, or expectations of, of these kind of Christmas comedies. You just made me think of something which has made me really sad. Um, it's like this film is about a group of friends during the Christmas holidays. Um, like Kevin McAllister in Home Alone, I guess, has no friends whatsoever. Like his family leaves. That's sad. But it sort of implies that he's now completely on his own and has, you know, no, no friends in the entire <laughs> you know city i guess you know if he were to phone a friend then he'd be rumbled but i I just i need to rewatch that film now it's been probably 12 months since i saw it (laughs) Um, well i think he is a loser yeah i guess i don't know i'm just like i mean the last thing that happened at school was was that in the first film where, like... No, I think in the second one oh, is where he, like, film. destroys, like, a song. The um, Christmas Choir, yeah. You know, I get the impression that Kevin McAllister, um, you know, you can be a bit overwhelmed by your own family, but I, yeah, I just realised, hmm, why doesn't he, like... I need to... No, I can't remember if he's, like, delighted or a little bit worried at the start. I think he's initially delighted when he gets a bit worried, but I just feel like at any point he could have... Like, oh, like, does oh, gee, oh, we're getting a bit sidetracked. I will say that there's also Home Alone NES games, isn't there? So, yeah, maybe we'll talk about Home Alone one day, but anyway, back to, back to <laughs> this film. Back to this. I'm not sure we will, <laughs> but yeah. Um, so this film is directed by Michael Dowles, who has previously well, he's done Goon which was the hockey movie with Sean William Scott, which apparently is pretty good, but I haven't seen it. Uh, He did a film called What If with Daniel Radcliffe, which I've seen some sort of um, kind of romantic comedy thing, which is all right. Uh, He did Stuba with Kumail Nanjiani and Dave Bautista, and It's All Gone Pete Tong, which was the uh, DJ film with Paul Kay. Um, so sort of like a mix. All films I know these are all of movies. I have not felt compelled to see. <laughs> um, and actually, Kevin uh, Jakubowski, he's he's written, as I said, like sort of for film and TV, and 
Um, he did a film, wrote a film called Assassination of a High School President, starring Bruce Willis, um, the King of Christmas. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's it's kind of like stuff I haven't really encountered before. So this is my sort of first, I guess, major um, experience of either of theirs work, um, generally speaking. For me, the biggest draw is, of course, Neil Patrick Harris himself. I will say I never watched Doogie Howser, MD, but I think so. I think my first introduction to him was actually Starship Troopers. And <laughs> yeah, so there's, that weird, there's that weird thing where I'm like, I know him from Starship Troopers, and I think he's great in Starship Troopers, um, playing like some sort of twink fascist. <laughs> but um, like, I think everyone else watching that film, like, I can't take this film seriously because Doogie Hauser is trying to be like a fascist dictator. I just can't, I can't take it seriously. And then later on, people are like, oh, you're not really meant to take that film seriously. But then he was like in like the Harold and Kumar movies and normally the best thing in it because I think he's one of the first quote unquote major celebrities to have a real fun time completely sort of desecrating his public image and of course he's he's gay so i think he played like a real he really leaned into just being incredibly over the top hetero in those films and it was very funny and then i will say i'm also a how i met your mother apologist because uh, that show has got a real bad rap and i don't know I'm going to say I don't know why, and then people are going to hear this and think, this numbnuts doesn't know why. <laughs> um, I just think it's, it goes down very well. It's a lot more dark than you think a sort of, you know, I think it's competitor is something like Big Bang Theory of Friends, and I don't know. So people are like, oh, this is just like a lesser version of those, but I just kind of dug it, and I liked Jason Sudeikis and I like um, Siegel. It's Jason Siegel, sorry. I, I mean, like you Jason might like Siegel. Jason Sudeikis, but he's not in it as well. Um, but I like Jason Siegel. I like um, I forget who plays his wife in that Willow from Buffy. Oh, Alison Hannigan. I like her, and yeah, I liked Neil Patrick Harris in that. So and Kobe Smulders. Who doesn't like Kobe Smulders? Anyway. I know people probably think he they've had enough of him or enough of his shtick, but you know I won't lie. I think for me the draw of this film was seeing him, and I was just a little bit disappointed by how he's just like the bookend guy. The the bulk of the film is with the kids, which is nothing against the kids, but you know it's just how it is. Yeah, I mean I think he provides a nice sort of flourish to the narration. Um, you don't see too much back and forth like with present day Jake and past Jake. It really is primarily a sort of voice role more than anything. Um, but I think it works. I think as a sort of narration and flashbacks and, and you know, telling the story from the past can be a bit hit and miss. Um, but I think it works here. I think it does yeah, add a flavor to proceedings, which I think if it was purely just set in the 80s and just here's the action as it stands i'm not sure it, it might have quite as worked as well overall but what were your thoughts overall then of 8-bit <laughs> christmas um i thought it was all right i mean i'll say up front um 
normally when you say a film has no notes, you mean it's you mean it's perfect. But in this case, I have written no notes for the film, <laughs> and so I've scribbled one or two thoughts down. Uh, you know, we watched the film right after recording a podcast episode, so I just I just I just thought I'll just let this film wash over me. And so when you're a little bit tired and you're just looking for something really inoffensive, it was fine. Um, there was definitely some moments which actually made me laugh out loud. Because I've not written any notes down, I can't remember what those were. So <laughs> I hopefully hopefully Rory can help me out because he was scribbling away. The only issue I think and this is coming from someone who's not seen um, like a Christmas story, but I feel like it's it is sort of missing like the edge that you were describing in a Christmas story, or like their mission. So the kids, the whole the whole plot is really it's it's that you know they're on a quest really to get a Nintendo Entertainment System, and they have all these troubles getting hold of one. And for some reason, I felt like there wasn't, I wasn't on the edge of my seat. I think perhaps it's undermined because this film starts with Neil Patrick Harris saying, look, this is my NES. Do you want to see, do you want to discover how I got it? And so, you know, he's always going to get one. There Mm -hmm. is a bit of a twist as to how he got it, but maybe it would have worked better because it's, it starts with this girl really wanting a mobile phone, his daughter really wanting a mobile phone and Neil Patrick Harris for that's his character's name. He is called Jake, (laughs) but Neil Patrick Harris is like, well, when I was a kid, I wanted a NES and I'll tell you what happened. So it's set up as a sort of life lesson and maybe it would have worked better if he was like, you, you never know if he actually got it. But like, you know, he's going to get it. So I sort of feel like this is the feature film version of that bit in The Simpsons where Homer says, I like stories. Oh, that's my. Oh, this. Oh, I follow a few Simpsons quote of the days. And, you know, I think literally my favorite, favorite bit of The Simpsons ever is that bit. So please drop that in in the edit because <laughs> it's... Um, but there's... Oh, man. Yeah, so... Yeah, there's just a... <laughs> like Homer Simpson's story, I don't know if there's an actual lesson of this film, uh, which we'll have to wait until spoilers to discuss why that is. But, um, yeah, it's it's a good effort, but... and. It's a good effort, but I wouldn't recommend buying it. You know, I would just watch it on streaming. It's if there's a good few laughs, maybe it'd be a good actual bonding experience between you and your Nintendo obsessed kids. But I, I feel like everyone might just get just a little bit bored. <laughs> yeah, or your kid and the Nintendo obsessed parent. Yeah, <laughs> that one too. <laughs> Ta da! What is that? That's my Nintendo from when I was a kid. Hmm. It looks like Tupperware. Tupperware? Come on, let's play. Can I text me from your phone after? Can you tell me? Yes, but can I show you how this works first, please? Yeah. Thank you. Oh, first you have to do this. Why? I don't know, just how it works. Nice. Maybe dust? I don't know. 
I thought you said Grandma and Grandpa didn't let you have video games when you were little. They didn't. And how'd you get it? When I was a kid, I wanted a Nintendo worse than you want a phone. That's not possible. You know what? Today is your lucky day, because I am now going to tell you the story about how I got my Nintendo. But it is possibly the most amazing, dangerous, awesome story of all time. You know, when I was a boy, I really wanted a catcher's mitt, but my dad wouldn't get it for me. So I held my breath until I passed out and banged my head on the coffee table. The doctor thought I might have brain damage. Dad, what's the point of this story? I like stories. I think I liked it a bit more. I had a, a good time watching it. I think it's pretty solid fare, and I, I thought it was maybe going to be worse than it ended up being. I thought it would just be, a, you know, th- it's a tricky thing when you're sort of going for a very, like, commercial approach to Christmas and you're sort of, you know, celebrating material goods and <laughs> and that sort of thing. And I liked that it it did have a, a little bit of bite to it. I did like um, the the general tone and, and the performances. I think there's always a danger of, and I think people have gotten yeah, a bit... the kids were good. The kids were good. Yeah. I think the, the lead kid, uh, Young Jake, is played by Winslow Fegley, which sounds like a Dickens character. Is it Finn Wolf? Who's that guy who's in Stranger Finn Things? Finn Wolfhard. My God. What's, kids are getting metal names nowadays. <laughs> uh, but he's... Harry and Rory doing a podcast. Ben's like Filth Wolfhard and Winslow Fegley are coming to destroy <laughs> us. <laughs> They're already podcasting about video game movies and we've got a million listens. <laughs> Um, but he's been most recently in Lyle Lyle Crocodile and was also in Night Books and Come Play. So he's a sort of seasoned child performer. Um, but actually, yeah, I did I I did enjoy the the crop of kids that they're in there, and um, uh, I guess we'll sort of introduce them all in a bit. I think the issue, yeah, potentially of eighties and speaking of Finn Wolfhard, is that people have maybe got sick of eighties nostalgia and people. I think accused unfairly like Stranger Things as just being, oh, it's just the 80s, but they've just done it anew. And it's just like, well, it's not because it's a version of the 80s that didn't really exist because I think mm. everyone assumes 80s is neon the whole way. And actually it's very, it was very brown <laughs> and, you know, like uh, kind of glow sticks of color schemes everywhere. Yeah, it was, it was far more drab than, at least in the UK, than it may appear. I think this does enough to offset the potential of just, oh, it's nostalgia. And just like, if we slap a Nintendo in this, then everyone's just going to watch it because it's Nintendo. And obviously that's why we watched it. But I feel like this does enough to both evoke, you know, a certain type of Christmas comedy movie, evoke nostalgic feels for 80s and Cabbage Patch Kids and, you know, that sort of stuff. But I feel like it has its own voice in there, not just Neil Patrick Harris, but it has its own identity and mission. And and yes, its messaging might be a bit kind of fudged, but I think it, as it's a fine Christmas movie. It's a it's a fine way to to pass the time. If you know, Christmas movies is one of those things where you can sort of add or subtract points based on how much you like Christmas. 
and maybe your inhibitions are slightly reduced, not inhibitions, your <laughs> critical faculties um, are maybe slightly reduced because you're filled with Christmas cheer, etc. But I think, you know, for the video game fan in your household, 8-Bit Christmas is worth a watch this holiday season. <laughs> yeah, just nog yourself up something rotten, drink all the eggnog and <laughs> give it a go. Uh, so shall we spoil this thing now? I mean, side side note, I've been trying to, I've been looking, as you've been talking, I've been Googling Chicago Christmas 1988 just to see, like, if there was any snow, because that's how anal I'm being. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's not, it's not accurate because there wasn't snow on Christmas. I've not had much luck, actually. I keep getting results for the film Scrooged, which came out in 1988. Um, which I don't even, I think I said in New York, not Chicago. I always appreciated how in Shenmue it has the exact uh, weather of the time in which it's set. So it's set in sort of November, December 1986, I believe. And so it does mm. snow at Christmas time, and you do have a, 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 a person dressed as Santa Claus walking around the town, usually quite drunk. <laughs> um, so that's a good seasonal video game I enjoy playing. So as we've said, it's set up. We have this grown-up Jake, and he's trying to sell his daughter on the wonders of 8-bit video gaming. <laughs> Sorry, that's that quite a long pause between sell his daughter and the rest of the stuff. <laughs> well, Christmas <laughs> is expensive. sell his daughter for Christmas. <laughs> you know, he needs to feed the rest of his family. Stone. One less presents to buy and <laughs> don't have money for the rest of us. Yeah. That's so bizarre. Um, anyway, interrupted there. He's not trying to sell his daughter for Christmas. No. He's trying to sell his daughter on the concept of 8-bit video gaming. And so he brings out the Nintendo and they both threw into the carts and yada, yada, yada. And they start playing a bit of Paperboy. And as he retells his story, it, it's sort of the paperboy biker merges into young Jake biking on his cycle over to Timmy Keen's house. And Timmy Keen is the sort of the rich kid in town who also only has the only Nintendo entertainment system in town. And he has a sort of lottery that every morning, only the first 10 kids that he selects, he deems worthy to come into his, uh, his uh, what would you call it? Like a basement? What do they call it in America sometimes? Well, I don't. I guess you call it a boy cave instead of a man. Cave. <laughs> yeah, maybe that. But it's like it's all kind of like <laughs> come to my boy cave, Harry. You're thirty nine. <laughs> uh, I did love this detail, though. I mean, also blowing into carts. There was enough again for me, my generation. There was enough of the nostalgia. Everyone knows you blow into a NES cart to sort of clean up the dust. My technique was to blow and then suck. So my lungs are probably like full of 80s dust. <laughs> but um, also I think everyone did have like a, f a more wealthy friend. Um, even the wealthy kids probably have more wealthy friends. But, you know, I had friends who had like, like a Super Nintendo and I gave it to theirs and I played their Super Nintendo and stuff. And, you know, wouldn't say that was the only reason I hung out with them, but maybe it would have been a big reason I hung out with them. Um, so I loved, I love this touch. Yeah. I think it'd have to be in the case of, of Timmy Keen because he's 
deliberately sort of painted as this like obnoxious spoiled brat um and everyone basically goes over and he just says like winner stays on and they all have to just watch him play instead as he's like shooting everything with a, a nez zapper at one inch distance from the screen which <laughs> everyone knows is cheating yeah i remember i had a friend i went over his place and while i was at his place we went to the shops and he bought micro machines for the nez i never played the game before he never played the game before, but I beat him every time. And he got so cross, he stormed off. And so I was just at my friend's house with like kind of, I just had to hang out with his parents for a bit. <laughs> he was <laughs> so angry at me. I mean, that sort of happens because in 8-Bit Christmas, because a little bit later, he has the power glove. The aforementioned power glove is featured in The Wizard. And so now there are even more crowds outside of his house because he's got this amazing new peripheral and he sort of comes out of his house to, um, I think, holding out for a hero from Bonnie Tyler playing on the hi-fi. And now people need to give gifts for entry into his into his place. I think Jake will eat in Muster is his dad's gourmet sausage, um, <laughs> which was quite amusing, which was later on his dad is like saying, but it was gourmet, where's my sausage? Um, <laughs> so like, you, you describe that and I laugh out loud. So I'm saying, you know... I, there, there is an entertainment value in this film. Um, you mentioned he gets angry. How does this culminate? Because that made me laugh, which shouldn't have made me laugh. Jake manages to get in, and then one of his friends is playing uh, Timmy. This, I think it's a fighting game, but I don't think it's a real one. It didn't no, look... No, they, they, they bizarrely have some made-up games as well as real ones. I'm not quite... I think because there was literally... Like in our Teenage Turtles episode we did, there were some Turtles beat-em-ups, but that came at the real tail end of the NES. So I think yeah. I think just fighting games hadn't quite arrived in the scene in that way by the There time were some NES so. fighting games, but mm. nothing that... I think this like is a decent enough approximation of what a NES fighting game is, but mm. it's not any that actually exists. But it, it, it is a little bit strange that... You know, they do have other examples of games, and maybe again, it's a sort of licensing issue because sense of licensing, yeah, yeah. You'd have to license either Turtles or Street Fighter or something, yeah. Um, But basically, turns out Power Glove does suck, and it's no match for Mm. an actual controller. And then Timmy gets so angry, he sort of like Karate Kick launches himself into the television, which uh, explodes falls down and crushes his pet dog. Yeah, I'm I'm so sorry. I mean I have a beloved cat and like my sadly one of my other cats died this year. Um but nothing makes me laugh more than animal cruelty on the big screen. I don't know <laughs> what I don't know. Uh, luckily I will say the, they say that the animal's fine, the dog pulls through. So we don't have dog death in this film. But uh, <laughs> just, you know, I guess I mentioned this doesn't have a dark edge. I think this is the darkest the film goes. Oh, maybe I'm going to talk myself out of the whole it's not dark viewpoint in the course of this conversation. But uh, yeah, I guess that made me laugh. I do. I do. In, I did enjoy most of the kids as well. Like the, the main kind of the crew that Jake has, I, I wrote them down. There's Mikey Trotter, who 
has uh, seen all the R-rated movies that no one else does, so he kind of quotes from them fairly kind of nonsensically, but just <laughs> will we'll drop in, say hello to my little friend and, you know, that kind of stuff. There's Evan Olsen, who is the kid who's allergic to SpaghettiOs and bees and always <laughs> says, I think I need to go home now. I don't know why. I just You describing it to me makes me giggle more than the actual film. I will say it has also been like almost a week since we watched the film. So yes. again, I'm just saying I'm I'm very much pretending this is like a, a um, intentional reason. Just give us that sort of vague Christmas feel where you can't remember quite what happened. <laughs> <laughs> Not gross unprofessionalism. Then there's the Hodges twins, Tammy, who eventually becomes a CEO of some company uh, named after her. And then uh, a brother, Teddy who becomes assistant to the CEO, um, which I thought was like funny and also quite sad. Um, and then I think my favorite is uh, this kid called Jeff Farmer, who is the perennial liar that I think we've all had a friend like that, or even been that friend. Well, if you've, uh, if you don't have that friend, you are that friend. And he is sort of introduced saying stuff about how he was, just this past week, like Tom Cruise's stunt double, even though he's like a 10 year old boy. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's, it's that kind of, I mean, like it plays into the whole, like, Oh, I've got a, a my, uh, my uncle works for Nintendo and he told me about, you know, Super Mario brothers four and all that kind of stuff. So it definitely plays into that. You've just reminded me I'm, I might be that friend. because <laughs> <laughs> I remember Going back to Home Alone 2, I tried to convince my friends I was Macaulay Culkin's stunt double. And there's a scene in Home Alone 2 where I think he goes down a chute, you know, down to a skip. And yeah. like I said, I did that, which is, spoilers, not true. <laughs> <laughs> but then I, had another, and then I had another, yeah, to, revealed. 30 years later. <laughs> Yeah, a British kid was not Macaulay Culkin Stunderwall. But I also had a friend who like totally claimed his dad was the um like the dungeon master in the British TV show Nightmare. Um if you don't know, it's, it's like a show where these kids have to go around like a VR simulation of, of like a fantasy world and there's like a games master. What's he called? He's got a particular name. Um, um I forgot. But bottom line my friend said that his dad played this dungeon master, despite the fact he looked nothing <laughs> like the dungeon master. It's the all hair and makeup. Master, it is. Well, I mean, in the nightmare, he's got a full beard. And this dad was completely bald. <laughs> so I don't know. There's he was Treyguard. Treyguard. Yeah, that's so good. But anyway... Um, kids do be bullshitting. So yeah, Jeff Farmer was a great uh, addition, I think, and played well. Like yeah. all the kids played their roles really well. So you know that's definitely a, a strong suit, strong thingy, strong thingy, a strong um, thingy. We also got uh, Jake's parents, mm-hmm. who are played by um, June Dan Raphael who has obviously been in lots of stuff, but will be known to bad movie aficionados as one of the How Did This Get Made hosts. Mm-hmm. And Steve Zahn as the as the dad. 
And I liked their dynamic. I, I think the interplay that the kids, because Jake's got a little sister called Lizzie, and they have with the parents, I think that was nicely observed. I think the fact that he does initially convince them to say yes to getting a Nintendo, and then immediately they turn around and say no, because they finally realize actually what that means. And, you know, he managed well, to... Well, they said yes when they weren't really listening. So Yeah, exactly. But, you know, that's that's legally binding. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually looking through uh, Steve Zahn's filmography, and he was in War of the Planet of the Apes playing Bad Ape. <laughs> now i actually know i've seen that film it's really great and i think actually that is genuinely his name he is he is named bad ape and because i think he self-appoints himself because he thinks he's bad like it's been a while since i've seen that film but it, i love the idea that yeah this film takes a stance and it's definitely the humans versus the bad apes um <laughs> planet of the bad apes what have you been doing inside all day probably playing the Nintendo. Nintendo. That's what I just said. Nintendo, John. You know, I ran into Mrs. Trotter at the Jewel today. Apparently, video games have been doing all kinds of strange things to children in Japan. I'm very glad that we do not have one. <laughs> but but you, you said I could get one for Christmas. I said nothing of the sort. <laughs> video games make you fat, Jake. It's a fact. Cabbage Patch mm. Kids don't make you fat? No, no. <laughs> Dad, you said I could have one, too. Uh, no, I didn't. Well, okay, I did. But I thought that you, it was an Asian tool brand like Makita. You know what? No Nintendo on my house. I second that. Me three, and that makes a majority. Looks like a no-go on Nintendo. <laughs> She's funny, John. <laughs> I will say about the dad character, uh, John is his name. Like to, uh, We're in a spoiler. We're in spoiler. T- are we in spoiler territory? We yeah. are, aren't we? I mean, so it turns out that this is not really a story about how Jake got a Nintendo Entertainment System. I think this is a story that Jake think he wanted a Nintendo Entertainment System and didn't realize that his parents really care for him. And his dad, instead of a Nintendo, he doesn't give his son a Nintendo for Christmas. He builds himself, he builds his son a wicked cool treehouse at the back of the garden and it's like i don't i said to rory as we were watching this have you seen the end of hereditary <laughs> there's a, there's a, i won't spoil that there's a treehouse in hereditary so maybe i'm just suspicious of all treehouses now but i think that's meant it's sort of really meant and i think actually in the modern day this is the first christmas where jake has been without his dad and so there's like a pregnant pause where he looks at the empty chair around the christmas table and so I, I, feel, I feel this sort of thing should bring me to tears, but I think the problem was that I never got much of a huge connection between Jake and his dad until the very end. And obviously at the very end, it's really like, oh my God, this is amazing. But I feel like a lot of the action, like the dad isn't really there that much. Am I remembering this wrong? What did you feel at the ending when it was revealed? Yeah, I think there's there's sort of hints about it because the dad is saying, oh, you should go play outdoors. He's like making the kid clean up all the dog droppings, which are all over the lawn, probably because he needs the space for the, um, you know, building the treehouse. He's always, the whole idea is that this dad is constantly sort of 
renovating everything like his Christmas gift. He's in love with his like a as a sander. Mm. So there's all these kind of elements, and he's he's like making Jake like varnish some hockey sticks, which you know, unbeknown to him, will eventually be part of the the treehouse and stuff. So he's contributed in some capacity. But yeah, I feel like there are moments of of father son conversation and encounters, but it's it's not really brought to the fore. So when the big reveal of the treehouse comes, it's like that's a really cute, nice thing for him to do. But then it, it doesn't really, it's like... There's no emotional through line to it, really. Yeah, it's it's a nice statement. You know, I guess it's meant to be a little bit like, oh, family's more important than whatever the new cool gadget is. But it doesn't really, yeah, it, it just doesn't really sort of hit in, in any capacity. It, it means that the message is, is sort of lost. And while it's like a nice sentiment and it's a cute moment... It's like, yeah, but what about the Nintendo? <laughs> I think also just thinking about it, that treehouse would have cost you could have bought several Nintendo Entertainment Systems for the amount of money that probably cost. Um, so it's kind of like it, it might have been more sweeter if it was you know not it was much more rough, or as it was something maybe smaller but more personal. I don't know. It's just like as I said earlier, like a doghouse. <laughs> <laughs> you're living in you the go, now. just yeah, like in the cold dog. cold ground sleeping yeah. it overnight in the frozen tundra um yeah i don't know um i just, yeah, it's a lovely idea but like i said i just don't think it has that emotional through line and i would have maybe if the dad was was even trying to support his son into trying to find a nintendo uh but over the course, they, the son realizes this isn't quite what I want. I actually like spending time with my dad. I like spending time with my dad more than playing a video game. I don't know. I mean, it's not a complete deal breaker. But going back to that Homer Simpson story, is it feels like you know what, Dad? What's the point of this story? Because <laughs> you know, Neil Patrick Harris then reveals like you know his his daughter. We keep coming back to the daughter, Neil Patrick Harris. At the start, the daughter is like, I don't care about the story. And then she becomes, I would say, artificially hooked. She's hooked because the story requires her to be hooked. <laughs> but towards the end, she's like, come on, what happened? What happened? And then it's revealed that, yeah, Jake never got the Nintendo. Jake had to work all summer to get the Nintendo. And so it's a real, like, you know, Dad, what's the point of this story? Is 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 it that you know, the story is your dad won't be around forever, daughter? <laughs> or is the story like... I just don't know. It's like, what is the point th- of the story? I think there's like a, I think there's a hint of that. Oh, it was the, like the memories he made along the way. And like, you know, mm. it became a sort of hub for all his friends. And there you see a sort of photo of him and, you know, young and with his, his, his friends as, as children. And then the dad there and that kind of stuff. And it's just like, yeah, but I had some really great memories playing Nintendo. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, I remember completing Chippendale Rescue Rangers for the first time. I think it was the first game I ever completed. And so I called my friend who was in the bath at the time. And so he got out of the bath and I told him all about it. And so I've just got this memory of this, you know, it was probably this, my dripping, wet, naked friend on the other side of the phone being told, I saw the title screen of Rescue Rangers. Yay. We defeated Fat Cat. Yay. Yay. Uh, memories, happy, happy memories. I mean, but on the flip side, I can't believe like 
we played we got marvel madness and we played it as much as we did because we only really got like three levels in before it became possible and then you were just and you wouldn't feel ripped off you just play those three levels over and over and over and over and over and over again growing up in the 80s sounds like it It, sucks (laughs) it's it sucks it's so tough oh my god with Jake denied a Nintendo by, I guess, official roots, as in getting it as a present for Christmas, um, he has to come up with some other schemes, and now there's no access to the Nintendo after the uh, dog-crushing incident at, at Timmy's house. But it turns out that as part of their local Ranger Scouts, the person, the kid who sells the most wreaths, Christmas wreaths, to uh, the local neighborhood will win a Nintendo Entertainment System. So this becomes this new kind of quest and a new way for them to um, basically sort of sign people up so uh, they can claim a Nintendo for themselves. And there's some nice little moments like um, I think Jake goes to this grumpy guy's house and tries to sell a reef, even though they've already got a reef in the door. And the guy is just like, Ma, this kid thinks your reef sucks. <laughs> and then you have a little lion kid farmer who actually manages to sell a reef to Jake's own mother. And he has like the kind of patter down. And then uh, Jake's um, sister Lizzie strikes a deal with Jake so that he will help her get a Cabbage Patch Kid doll. For Christmas if she gives him some intel and her intel is that he goes target the nursing home that's 200 old people and they've all got doors and old people buy stuff from kids all the time so he manages that's to talk a few more wreaths in the process but ultimately this whole reef selling competition culminates at this ranger scout meeting and they announce the prizes in reverse order and uh, the little kid farmer gets third prize, and it turns out it's a subscription to Boy's Life. Um, the Hodges twins combined get second prize, and they win a globe of the whole world, all of it. Um, <laughs> Just a side note: um, I did like the joke about how the twins have a birthday around Christmas, or maybe even Christmas Day, and they should they say they lament that. It sucks having your birthday and Christmas on the same day. And because they're twins, the birthday gift gets split. Um, yeah. <laughs> it just made me, my heart went out to all people with Christmas birthdays, which include, I think includes your missus as well, isn't it? And, yeah, she's um, got a, a, a Twitsmas birthday, I think. Isn't that between Christmas and New Year's? Oh, my God. That's the worst. That's the <laughs> worst. Um, anyway, yeah, that's a good gag. And yeah, so what was first prize? So the promised Nintendo Entertainment System for first prize goes to Jake and they reveal instead of a Nintendo Entertainment System, it's a set of World Encyclopedia. And um, I think Neil Patrick Harris says it was like winning more school. Um, <laughs> because, I forget, so how do they justify that? Because it transpires that the night before, Timmy Keane yes. Sr., the dad of the rich kid, they held an emergency PTA meeting deploring video game violence, citing the crushing of their not deceased but injured dog. 
and blames video games on that injury, and so everyone starts shouting, video game over, video game over. And so um, they, I think, have a sort of emergency meeting, and all video game consoles in the local area are banned. So their quest for a Nintendo becomes even more difficult. Yeah, that's, that makes sense in a movie kind of way. I don't know if that happens in real life. Well, maybe it does. Now, I know things get banned for stupid reasons, but no, anyway. Yeah, no, I think that works. It's, it's good. <laughs> what am I trying to say? I sound really... All, I guess maybe I'm, I should give this film more credit um, because, yeah, that's a good rug pull um, and it connects to something earlier film that you would not expect. So, yeah, it's... All too often we see extremely obvious plotting, but uh, yeah, that was kind of neat to have the kid who's really into his Nintendo and it's like the rich kid. He sort of ends up maybe inadvertently creating a Nintendo ban in the city of Chicago, which we all remember. (laughs) Before it sort of gets to the sort of eventual banning, there are some sort of near misses with Nintendos. There's this trip to the mall um beforehand which i think has the sort of very accurate family dynamic not necessarily our own but i kind of just you know you have this sort of dad complaining about everything that's happening like why is it so hot in here where's the bar at the food court and you know it's maybe obvious stuff but it's it's yeah, that's me nowadays <laughs> yeah. hang, hang out in the mall get wrecked and then go into tk maxx until I'm dragged up by security. 2022 is going really well for me. <laughs> but you also have this great moment where Jake in the toy store sees a Nintendo display. And you have this, I'm going to say fantasy moment. It, it, it could be really happening. We're not 100% sure. But the display Nintendo console starts talking to Jake. It's oversized Nintendo. It's it's a big Nintendo. Yeah, it's like a kind of Rob the Robot uh, kind of standee, I think, as well, surrounding it, or at least something that looks like it. Well, it starts enticing Jake to play him, and he's like, come on, Jake, play a game. And then he starts sort of listing titles. He's like, no, not that one. <laughs> no, I do not have that one. No, that was actually, yeah, that was funny as well. It reminds me, do you like citing that classic Look Who's Talking too when the toilet starts talking to the the baby Bruce Willis? I can't remember. Like, you know, Mr. Potty. Yeah. Yeah. I can't, I can't remember lyrics. I'm just lyrics. I'm going <laughs> to try and ad lib some toilet dialogue. He's like, I'm going to come and bite your, your, your duty. I'm going to eat your poopy. That's, that's how he goes. I think you're, you're hired for the reboot. <laughs> who would do, who would do a look who's talking reboot? And you can't say Chris Pratt, which is the joke response. So who would voice a baby right now? Because the fun thing was Bruce Willis. Alec was... Baldwin. But he does the, isn't he the boss baby? Yes, he is the boss baby. That's the joke. You can't. Oh, <laughs> oh there's been the Macy's Day Parade happened. I think yesterday we're recording this just after Thanksgiving and like, it's got so corporate, Rory. <laughs> <laughs> it used to be just a... round balloons. I know, but they had the boss with baby nothing on baby. them. 
I, you just reminded me of, I saw the boss baby baby and there was a bluey, the blue dog baby. There was something. Why do you keep from... saying baby? You mean to say balloon. You said there was the boss baby baby. <laughs> the blue, the dog baby. <laughs> no, they, they were there as well. Um, <laughs> I've got an idea of a prequel. The boss baby baby. Where the boss baby has a baby. <laughs> no, keep, stay with me here. Stay with me here. It is possible. <laughs> That's it. Come over here, Jake. You know you want to. What am I going to do about my Cabbage Patch Kid now, Jake? Forget your sister, Jake. She's useless. What game would you like to play? Joust. Pick another one. I don't have that one. Super Mario Brothers. Pick another one. Defender. How about Rampage? It's loaded up right now. Cool. I'll do anything you say. Oh, very good. Yes. So anyway, I guess with tr- this is what makes me wonder, did Nintendo endorse this? I guess it falls under parody. I really should have asked uh, like a lawyer this, to be honest, but... <clears throat> Uh, he, he gets enticed by the old Nintendo. What was the net result of that scene? I think, oh, the daughter gets temporarily lost, doesn't she? And I guess there's a little bit of drama over trying to find the daughter. And it turns out that all the Cabbage Patch kids have been sold out, which is what the daughter really wanted. So they go to find a dodgy, underground, black market Cabbage Patch kid dealer. Mm. Jake's kind of legitimately asking, like, why does Lizzie get what she wants? And the dad replies, is like, you know, don't negotiate with terrorists. One's really more expensive, though, I guess. Well, Um, there's that too. But you have a little cameo from uh, David Cross, who plays the sort of Cabbage Patch Kids dealer. Um, But he's also got a Nintendo in his trunk, which obviously gives um, Jake another potential in way into seizing his dream console. So he gets a knife and stabs David Cross. <laughs> <laughs> that this, this really took a turn. I didn't know that. And then it cuts like, back to back. Neil Patrick Harris talking to his daughter. <laughs> yeah. He's like, you and did so, what? Yeah. She's like, yeah, I, I was in jail in juvie. <laughs> yeah. I, you know what? Until you've stabbed a person, you never think about how you could feel their soul leave their body. But, you know, I, I know that now. <laughs> just the warmth of their crimson blood coursing yeah. out yeah like my hands are so cold and my thought was that's really it feels really nice on my hand the steam anyway, emerging from their belly yeah like the very soul <laughs> and also i got to play duck hunt when i got <laughs> home <laughs> um but yes they uh at this point of the film there's a, there's a ban on video games consoles so they need a christmas miracle and the aforementioned Hodges twins, they're having this depressing birthday party at the roller rink, and they get a bunch of baseball cards, including an actual famous baseball card. I know nothing about baseball or baseball cards, but I did look it up, and it did exist. But there is a baseball card of the player Bill Ripken, and on the base of his baseball bat it says, Fuck face. (laughs) (laughs) I'm actually looking at Wikipedia right now. Maybe I've... um... Of course, the film they call it F face yes. because I believe it's a PG rated. But they realise <laughs> the value. At the card now, it's amazing. It is amazing. 
well, but they realized that with that they could sell this rare baseball card and with enough baseball cards they could get enough money to buy a Nintendo Entertainment System during a field trip which just so handily is scheduled very soon for them to go to Chicago where consoles remain on sale. Mm. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I mean, I can't really remember what happens. There's just like a bit of bit like will he get it? Will he get it? I think there's a moment when he he rides at the toy store and like there are people protesting about video games consoles outside it so he kind of has to take a secret way around i can't really remember that much detail but he he gets hold of the console and he's running back and then just before he gets to the bus he slips over some ice which is actually a bit of a callback to the start of the film because at the start of the film a grown-up neil patrick harris slips over the ice and he's he scolds the santa in front of the ice saying, hey, you should have told me about that. It's been years. And so that's a bit like, oh, my God, it's been icy there for, like, maybe 30 years. <laughs> I don't years. think it's been permanently ice for and also like, 30 years. I think it's just it's, that bit of ground gets icy at Christmas time. Same, is it the same Santa? Oh, yeah, the Santa is, like, he, he guards the ice right throughout the summer, <laughs> keeping it cold, but chewing ice cold chewing gum and blowing on the sidewalk to make it icy all year round. Anyway, so the little kid, he, he, he skids on the ice, he drops the Nez and it gets crushed under the bus's wheels. And he goes, fuck. <laughs> Jesse just learned that word from a baseball card. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's fuck, like a few. He shouts, fuck face. <laughs> at center oh i'm into baseball now i mean there's there's, sorry i mean there's like a few more hurdles like yeah there's the the mums who are protesting and so they have to get farmer the line kid to call up the mall who security number and then you know gets the mums on the phone and starts bullshitting them about this kind of like hiring a, a nephew scheme they have to get the the kid who get sick from spaghettios to sort of like eat the spaghettios and then vomit on cue as the oh, cause yeah. of distraction. It's just like they've timed it and they've got like nine minutes of vomit in them. <laughs> no, I, I, I love a vomit rig. I went to see a tri- triangle of sadness and I think the trailer features a lot of vomiting. So yeah, if you like your vomit, I mean, I do think of the vomit rig where they have a pipe on the side of your mouth and they sort of, have the camera positioned in such a way where you can't see it. I think that's one of the most miraculous bits of cinematic technology occurring in the last 20 odd years. I just never get enough of I think if I ever make a film it's going to be based around vomiting scenes. <laughs> um, even if I get given like I have to you know, I want you to retell uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, Harry. And like, Okay, I need eight vomiting rigs. <laughs> Snow White bites into the poison apple and just like vomits herself. <laughs> You're all over to, herself uh, into and a coma. The dwarfs, the dwarfs are watching and they get sick. And then the prince at the end, he does true love's first kiss, but there's still a bit of vomit breath. And he goes, <laughs> Oh dear. Hey, I just like sick. I like vomit. What can I say? Um, I guess there's, there's one sort of aspect of this we haven't 
mention, and I think maybe it's kind of the weakest stuff, but there's this there's this kid in their school or in their class called Jagorski, Josh Jagorski, who has clearly re- had to repeat several years of school. Oh, God, yeah. He's maybe he looks like he is maybe in his mid twenties to early thirties. Um, I think he's probably only meant to be fifteen or something. But he's like the school bully, and he's always picking on them. And there's this whole thing about Jake having to wear, like, girls' boots. And there's all this kind of mm. stuff about, oh, you know, he has to wear boots because it's snowing rather than regular shoes. So those are the only boots that he has because his mum bought them well, kind of distracted, and they were like, she's not going to return them or anything. And I sort of get it. It's like this whole idea that he's been bullied because he's wearing girly boots, which I think is something which probably did happen in yeah, school playgrounds in the I feel 80s. That's based on his own life, for sure. But I also sort of feel like if it wasn't happening, like there'd be a lot more slurs and swears being bandied about. And obviously that film can't do that. But I just kind of, it was one of those things where it's probably accurate for what was the the thing at the time, but watching it now, it's like, it doesn't seem like such a threat. It's one of those things where you're trying to bring in 2022 sensibilities to the eighties. And it just felt like a real disconnect. Just like, yeah, I guess he would be like bullied and he'd be hiding in recess because he's wearing like purple boots. Whereas nowadays you would hope that school playgrounds would be a bit more like progressive and like, you know, forward thinking fashion about the whole situation. And maybe I'm just feeling like that's the case and I don't have the reality of what school playgrounds no. are like for kids nowadays. I can't say either of us have hung around school playgrounds that much <laughs> in the last few years. But no, I would agree. He seems actually completely superfluous. So yeah, he's he's the bigger boy, but he's neither really a barrier. I can't even think he helps. He's just this big kind of presence we are introduced to him like often king of a hill and he's literally on the on the massive peak of like a snow mountain that's being created it's it's kind of a fun image but i can't remember why yeah i just can't remember why he's there the only thing that he does is that he steals the money they've raised in order to buy a nintendo okay and they feel like their hopes are dashed but then on the school bus to chicago jake just sort of like stands up to him because he sort of learned from this other weird kid who he sort of isn't part of their group but sort of hangs around and stuff and how they're not phased at all by jake because they're just even more of a bigger nerd um and they're not phased by jagorski because they're even more of a bigger nerd so jake just then like stands up to him and gets the nintendo money back and that's sort of it it's just one of those things like I think that was like the running gag or the the part of the story which just never really worked for me. And I don't know whether that's just writing or performance or just generally, you know, kind of like we need to have a bully element to this. And now that Timmy Keen is sort of the obnoxious one out of the picture, we need a new kind of like threat. But again, it just doesn't really go anywhere or, or have much impact overall. Yeah, no, I just... As as you as we've both pointed out, I'd completely forgotten about the character until you brought him up. So yeah, I feel he just seems like 
kind of a nothing and, and maybe even a bit distracting because he seems a little bit more over the top than the other characters. <laughs> Every day before school, we would gather, for reasons unknown, to get pummeled by Jagorski in the game King of the Mountain. My mountain! It was never quite certain what grade Josh, King of the Mountain, Jagorski was actually enrolled in, as the vast majority of his time was spent in such foreign districts as the principal's office and the adult beverage refrigerator case at the gas station. Dad, after he practices guitar in the garage. Who wants a piece of this delicious strawberry cake? As we're talking, though, I'm scrolling through our Internet Movie Database's photo section of 8 Bit Christmas, and it seems that the photos are completely indiscriminate screen grabs. Like, they're not production photos. I'm just looking at like a close up of a shot, an insert shot of somebody's holding, I think the dad is holding a, a cup where he has his beer in, there's a beer bottle next to it. And like, there's no details. Like there's a hand holding a cup. That's the shot. (laughs) Very weird. Um, (laughs) You know, this all sort of culminates as I guess the Christmas season does with Christmas day. And we have this home video camera footage of them sort of opening the presents and Jake, you know, getting gradually disappointed knowing full well that a Nintendo entertainment system is not, uh, it's not there. At least Lizzie gets her potentially knockoff or at least illegal cabbage patch kid, not in a box, but just in a sort of cardboard box. Um, but then suddenly emerging from the corner is a package from crazy uncle Dan who lives <laughs> in Japan and it's a package specifically addressed to Jake. And it looks like the size and shape of a Nintendo Entertainment System box. Or maybe it would be a Famicom if it was from Japan. The way you're saying this makes me suspicious. What's actually inside it? <laughs> Have you forgotten? The Internet Movie Database picture section reminded me <laughs> what it is. It is a light bright. A Japanese light bright. Yay. I mean, light brights are cool. They're pretty cool. Again, when you're living in the 80s, like us us two survived the 80s, you made your fun where you could find it. And if it was making little dots of light appear on a screen, then, you know, that was pretty amazing. That was like seeing Avatar. Um, can't wait yeah. to see the way of water and all these trailers promises these beautifully rendered worlds and then in the end it's just been animated on a light bright <laughs> that'd be pretty ballsy um, but this this bit tricked me yeah I mean again it's a good joke it's a subversion of like the you know classic like oh I went for this whole adventure and I'd decided i've made peace with the fact i wouldn't get it but lo and behold i actually got it but it's it's not that so that's a good joke it's a good joke so i mean like we're talking about this and just bringing it back you know mate i feel like i wouldn't say my opinion of this film has 
necessarily improved, but it wasn't that bad to begin with. So I, I honestly can say hand on heart, um, I still think it, you wouldn't want to spend like £10 to buy it. But like if you're if you're in any way interested in video games and especially in Nintendo Kids, you could do much worse than put this on. Like around you know, when you in the time when when your wife's celebrating her birthday in between Christmas and New Year, you'll <laughs> <laughs> be like, I know what would cheer you up. <laughs> this you get at least six laughs. I can't what was Mark Commode's barometer of a good comedy? Was it a five laughs or something? I think it was maybe a five laugh test. I, I definitely got at least five laughs out of this. And I've had a lot more laughs talking about it, which is why we do this podcast really. <laughs> Yeah, I, th- um, I think it's it delivers enough chuckles. I think it has um, a good tone. I think it's kind of like warm. I think it's sincere, even though, you know, there is the possible with the kind of very commercial sort of aspect to it that it, it could be pretty cynical and, you know, the 80s nostalgia and all this sort of stuff. But I think there is, you know, a genuine sincerity behind the film. And I think, uh, you know, I like the performances I had a good time. It has maybe a few duff notes in there, but I, I yeah, I don't necessarily see it being part of the uh, of the um, the regular Christmas canon necessarily. But it's a good alternative um, option if you're kind of sick of the usual fare. So yeah, I'd I'd say if you listen to this podcast and you've made it this far, um, and you don't mind all the spoilers, I'd say it's still worth a watch. No, I think the spoilers improve this film. You'll be like, oh yeah, oh god, this is like this is like when they said on the podcast this happened. (laughs) (laughs) That's Um, enough festive cheer for one episode. That's enough festive cheer. Apart from our next episode, which I believe is going to be Christmas themed as well. Yes. We're going to answer once and for all the most boring question there is that happens every single year around Christmas time. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? But lo and behold, is the Die Hard Games a Christmas games? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, the second eternal question. There's two eternities in <laughs> locked in constant battle. Um, I mean, actually, if memory serves, I have played a bunch of those Die Hard games, and, and I think a lot of them don't are, are not set at Christmas. So, yeah. I'm going to say, spoilers, no. <laughs> <laughs> But to which question? We'll find out. Anyway, thanks for listening. In the meantime, how can people keep in touch with Games on Film? Please visit our website, gamesonfilm.witsite.com slash podcast, where you'll find more information about the podcast and video game movies in general. We're also on the social medias. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter and Instagram too. Please follow us for updates about video game movies and news and previews of forthcoming releases on the big screen and the small screen we're at games on film pod you can email us games on film pod at gmail.com all episodes of the podcast are available on acast spotify apple podcasts so please do like rate review share and subscribe that would be the greatest gift of all if you did (laughs) I'm on Twitter at Rory Steele. I'm at Only Man Who Can. And I think I mentioned last episode I'm on Mastodon. I've not touched that account. I've opened up a Hive account, which I think is also Only Man Who Can, but I've not done anything on that either. 
This is going to seem like a real time capsule, not just for the NES content, but like that two week period where everyone's freaking out about Twitter. <laughs> I'll say this, and then by the time we're next in touch, Twitter would be dead. So mm, there'll be a film about that, Neil Patrick Harris talking about how he, the last tweet he wrote or something. Can't wait. A Twit Bit Christmas. A Twit Bit Christmas. And the music for this episode was composed by David Lightfoot. I've been Harry. I have been Rory. Merry mid-December? When are we going to say <laughs> Merry Christmas? Is that... I guess we'll say that. When is our Die Hard episode coming out? Uh, just before Christmas Day. Okay. I'm going to take that Merry Christmas back. I hope you have an alright fortnight. And then... <laughs> Have an all right fortnight. Have an all right fortnight and we'll see you next time. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.